of survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 22 and in this edition we'll be picking apart the other half of the Resident Evil 3 package with our full reaction to Resident Evil Resistance. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy and I'll be your mastermind this evening. Joining me on the experiment this week, he protect, he attack and he's named after a snack. No I don't mean Martin Sandwich, I mean Cereal Box 64, Jordan Subaru. Hello folks. With an internet connection nearly as broken as Jill Valentine herself, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello. He's as pure and wholesome as Velma. Jinky, sorry, I mean Valerie. It's Moist Owlet, aka James. Anytime you like. <laughs> oh! No, it was on. Oh, god damn it, my mic. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the podcast, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Join now to hear the podcast early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on our social media accounts. Uh, a fair bit of uh, housekeeping news at the top of this one, number one. Special thank you to our most recent Patreon supporter, Brian Sharkey, and a delayed happy birthday as well while we're at it as well. So thank you for supporting the show. Uh, in terms of new content that we've put out since you've last heard from us on the podcast feed, there's a bunch of new videos to check out on our YouTube. Uh, we have five things you may have missed from Remake 3. Uh, Steve returned with five more tragic characters in the Resident Evil universe. And there is the second trailer for Resident Evil The Beginning, which is our audio drama adaptation of the 1997 sort of short story written by Capcom. Uh, that trailer is up now with a release date at the end. May 3rd uh, will be the first episode, it's going to premiere live on our YouTube, uh, so that means at 8 o'clock uh, UK time, BST, that's 8pm, you can uh, jump in on our YouTube and watch it live, if, if you like, if that's what you want to call it. Um, the, you know, the first episode's quite short, they're all quite short in general, but uh, we thought we'd put that out there for people that want to see it as soon as it goes up. Uh, it's something that we've... Uh, been working on behind the scenes for a while now and as the person editing editing the whole thing uh, putting sort of the video together for it uh, it's it sounds massively impressive so big shout out to nerd masons who we're working with on that for all the work they've done be very excited episode one this sunday and then every sunday after for the next few weeks seven part series so do make sure you check that one out on top of all that, there is another video you absolutely have to check out, which is our pre-release review of the Resident Evil 3 board game. Uh, the Kickstarter for that project is up now, so you can go and check out that project. It runs for 15 days, so don't delay. Go and support that. Uh, Sherwin and all the Steamforge guys, the whole game looks great, but obviously if you want to get our bit more of an in-depth take from it, you can listen to me, Steve and Adam, talk about it in that video, which like this thing blows my mind and I want to just break it down for a second I don't know I've talked about this a little bit before but the show wouldn't exist without the board game in the community you know and all the, how we all came together so it's very strange to come round a full circle at this point and have a video that we've been we've made be embedded in the Kickstarter page uh, so thank you to Steamforge for allowing us that privilege it's been crazy, and it continues to be crazy. It's it's really fun right now being on top of that Kickstarter and watching all the stretch goals and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. We've gone fully full circle with the whole thing. Well, 
with that all of that out of the way, yeah, go check over our YouTube and check all of that out and subscribe because the Resident Evil Beginning is coming soon and a bunch more videos that we're working on that I can't talk about. Uh, let's move on to the Resident Evil news. I don't even know how to approach this first. Yeah, I'm topic. not quite sure, yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to just be out there and be straight. The original voice of Leon Kennedy, Paul Haddad, has passed away literally like not a week ago, and it's it's rough. I, I'm I'm sure we've all got a few words to say, but the, yeah, the fact that the uh, the template for one of the most iconic uh, Resident Evil characters, person who gave him his voice, who honestly is only only recently was in touch with the community, but was such a lovely man. When you get to know him, and it's um, yeah, I gutted is the the most gentle way I can put it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna just pass it on to everyone else, but I am really, really upset about it. Yeah, um, I mean, this is the first time we've, I mean, I suppose luckily it's the first time that we've had to start off on a, on a downer note like this. Um, yeah, when the news broke, it wasn't. In a sense, it wasn't quite believable. Um, we've not really had this in Resident Evil too much. We've lost a couple of people from from the games, um, but no one quite uh, the size and the heart of Paul Haddad and what what he did for the series. Um, so it wasn't really believable in that sense. But sadly, he does have, or he did have, I should say, a uh, a long history of health problems. Uh, which it seems uh, got the better of him, unfortunately. And I've spoken to many members of the community. It was so nice to see everyone coming together and sort of sharing their memories. And as you said, Steve, uh, the fact that he got to sort of reconnect with a lot of the fans um, the last few years, I very much um, recommend that people check out the Crimson Head Elder podcast that he did. Um, he comes across as the most humble, kind man you could ever imagine, uh, behind, of course, Leon as well. Um, and, of course, he appeared for Residents of Evil as well, not too long ago. So it was nice that he, he got to do that. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough, unfortunately. So uh, being new to the franchise, um, I, I didn't have a huge connection with Paul and the previous games. However learning about Paul in the past two and a half years and looking back on his history and stuff, I can, I can see he's a, just a very wholesome and just a lovely gentleman. And I would love to be his friend and, and to have known him. Um, but at the same time, it's, we're kind of blessed in a way that he is forever immortalized in these games. So we can, enjoy him um yeah um it's 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 obviously it's it's a terribly young age to go um and obviously we know that he he did have issues with his health especially over the last few years but he he, he obviously has this imprint on the series uh which uh you know no one that no one's gonna forget um because it was there right at the beginning you know with with resident evil 2 um i think just about everybody is has heard his voice and i don't think that character would have been half as successful if it didn't have his voice um so yeah he's left he's left an imprint um not ju only in the series but also the industry uh, a great talent lost far too soon yeah i um 
I spoke to a few people. Uh, one of them was Sonny uh, Bauer about it. Um, we both were, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. We were both hit quite hard about it, I think. And uh, it was nice to sort of have a conversation about it. And, and you're quite right. Um, Leon is obviously a hugely important character, um, arguably the most popular character, or at least, you know, there's definitely an argument there, right? Um, and all the incredible people that have picked up that role, uh, you know, they're, they're standing in the shadow of what Paul did, um, what, what he made that character. Um, I think whatever you think of, obviously, his later appearances and his, his attitude changes over the years, I think that uh, there's just something timeless about that portrayal of Leon in the in the classic RE2 and playing it back again recently as I, I actually have uh yeah it's just a voice that's just has shaped that character completely even 20 something years later um if we if we if we want to move on um I think pick the mood up a little bit yeah I mean uh, I think every Resident Evil community obviously cares about right of course are very saddened about this our next piece of news then Olivia Jackson has won her settlement against the uh, director and producer of the Resident Evil Final Chapter. That's Paul W.S. Anderson and Jeremy Bolt. Yeah, this is a, a, a news to celebrate, I suppose. <laughs> um, obviously, we spoke about this, I don't know, six months plus now. Um, uh, Jackson tried to uh, file a complaint, uh, a legal complaint against them after an accident a stunt accident which left her with an amputated arm and many other injuries. In fact, um, she was under in a coma at one point. Um, there was a bit of a kerfuffle about whether or not she could even sue them. I know she sort of got passed off um, with, I think, even Anderson or somebody in that team kind of mentioned that, you know, it's not necessarily their responsibility. She needs to get in touch with the company that should that was behind sort of the, the performances and stuff like that. But she, whatever the case, it's been pursued uh, rightfully, and uh, yeah, she has succeeded uh, in her settlement of some kind, which is, you know, that's that's good at least. Um, these films, unfortunately, have a bit of a history of injuries and stuff like this. This is obviously a really major one, uh, so it's nice to see uh, silver lining to that at the end. I mean, Paul W.S. Anderson has still only made one good video game adaption, and that is Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil fans. Okay? <laughs> it's true. You know, so, screw them. And the horse they rode in on. Right. I mean, he didn't that, even direct. He didn't even direct the best Resident Evil film, Apocalypse. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Douglas Anderson is is superfluous. He, you don't need him. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that was. Um, so I, I was I was also following this story a few a uh, few months back, and mm. wow, I was so upset for this woman. Yeah. 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 For it's sure. very. It was so sad to see that happen and not have anyone back your corner um, until she looked deeper into it and yeah and got all this got all this support. So yeah, um, as the chat says, screw those guys. And as you guys have said, also screw those guys because it man, it's good to see justice, especially right, exactly. in 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 our in our day and age where it's seeming to slip away. It's good to see that kind of justice. Yeah, it's a it's a massive relief to obviously see this come to a to come to a close. Um, I mean, this happened in 2015, which mm, is mm, true. quite it, it's it's quite mad. But obviously, unfortunately, this is typically how legal legal processes go. Um, 
and they, they do stretch out. But for something this important, I'm glad that the right decision has been made and, and she has been able to uh, receive a settlement um, from the people who were responsible. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it shouldn't happen, obviously. But when it does happen, there should be far more safety nets for the people that are affected. Um, so hopefully this is one of those cases which goes on to change the way um, that many movie productions handle right. um, anything to do with stunt work. Right. It's, um, <laughs> it will be a bit of a black mark, obviously, on, on Anderson moving forward um, as, as it in a way should be. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it will uh, cause the companies that he worked with to take stronger precautions. Okay. Now, listener, are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> are you wearing your tinfoil hat? <laughs> Rumours have circulated regarding a Resident Evil 4 remake in 2000. Uh, okay. I mean, where do we even start with this? Um, tweets began appearing a couple of weeks ago now, I think, uh, about a Resident Evil 4 remake. It was being reported from a few places, some sources being ones that we have previously said are at uh, least fall more in the trustworthy column. Um, so I don't know to which degree you should, you know, how much salt to take this with or not. Um, but there's, man, the response was something else, wasn't it? Uh, Twitter kind of blew up that night and for the following several days with people's hot takes. Um, I don't know where everyone stands on it. At the end of the day, for me, and I've said this before, at the very least, if these rumours, if all these rumours are correct, you know, next year we get a new game before we get another remake. That's something at least. But personally, I don't think this is needed. Uh, Jordan, you're a big fan of RE4. How do you feel about it potentially being remade? Or do you think it's even happening at all? I, I think it's going to happen at some point. Whether or not it's happening right now, I'm not sure. It would, it would certainly make sense, considering that the... Um, the general feeling towards remakes is pretty positive right now. Um, and it would make perfect sense that they would then take one of their most beloved entries. Um, as, as far as Resident Evil 4 goes, you know, the original Resident Evil 4, I don't think it can go any further in terms of, in terms of uh, releases. It's It's been ported to just about everything by now. Um, so, uh, naturally, I think you would have, uh, you know, a remake come up. And the strange thing is, I don't necessarily think that people are fatigued on Resident Evil 4, um, despite the fact that it does get released just about every year. Um, so if, if they do make a, if they do make a remake, I, I still expect it to do very well and to be received quite well. Now what kind of remake it's going to be is the real question because there are a lot of people who argue it doesn't need a remake um, or even to the extreme that it cannot be remade. Um, but that is based on the idea that it would have to be exactly the same. Uh, this isn't my idea. I've, I've seen this suggested by other people and I, I do think that it's an interesting take on it that in much the way that some remakes will change the sort of the context of changing something from survival horror to more to action. Um, perhaps the more action oriented Resident Evil 4 will be remade into more of a survival horror. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were to take the kind of same approach as they did with Resident Evil 2 and 3 and, uh, you know, kind of maybe scale down certain aspects, but hone the actual, uh, hone the actual combat and the evasion and the survival aspects, that could be really interesting. I almost wonder if they're sort of... The problem with remaking a game that's so beloved like this is you're going to put yourself in a rock and a hard place, right? Um, I think they should they should change things, and chances are they very much will. I mean, just look at the last two. There were some big changes there. Uh, but at the same time, you'll probably get an outcry if they change it the wrong way. So they're going to have to be really careful. That being said, I do like the idea of them uh, bringing a bit more atmosphere, like really amping up that atmosphere, I should say, um, maybe dialing back a little bit on the action. You've got to be kind of careful with the tone. If it's going with the tone of the last two remakes, that's going to be really interesting to see how that shifts because there's some real wacky B-movie stuff in RE4 that doesn't really necessarily fit the tone of the last couple games. Uh, but <laughs> my brain, though, when you said maybe they'll do it a different way and bring in a more horror approach. I was thinking, oh yeah, they've remade these fixed camera ga- games into Over the Shoulder. Why don't they remake <laughs> RE4 backwards to a fixed camera game? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd play it. I'd play it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be excitingly different, I guess. Uh, James, what's your take on the RE4 remake rumours? Uh, as usual with me, I'm super excited about anything that's new and when it comes to the Resident Evil mm-hmm. franchise. Um, I'm very excited about it. And yeah, I, just as uh, <laughs> just as uh, we, we were just talking about, I was thinking, um, by the way, that was my phone, guys. Sorry about <laughs> it's that. fine. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking, yeah, why do, what if they just fill in the gaps with four, right? What, what, with the remake? What if right. they just fill in the gaps? Because I, I know this is quite a popular thing with me. Everybody knows I, I have a proper issue with the original two, uh, two and three because they don't, there is no thing. Nothing happens between three and four. What if they fill in that gap, and then we get into the uh, Eastern European, sorry, the Western European uh, murder hoboing? You know, <laughs> um, if they uh, and and bring a survival horror element into it, because I don't think you can do what you did with RE4. It's a unique game. You can't. I don't think you could do that again because I I don't think it'll be seen well by the community. Yeah. Um, they would have to change it a little bit, make it survival horror, make it a little bit cheesy, maybe just as a homage. But yeah, just fill in gaps, please, because I just want to know what happens after three and what happens between three and four. Just please, Capcom, tell me what happens. <laughs> Steve, what do you think of this? Uh, these rumors. Let me just get my like fourteen page. <laughs> right. So there's a handful of things here. I've got like many. Go for it. Many sporadic takes. First of all, I'm going to echo what the chat room says. Like, what about Code Veronica? And, you know, also, Code Veronica happened between three and four, Mr. Mr. Owlet. I have to point this out because the chat room will eat me. Yeah, uh, yeah but, but but it doesn't explain anything. Right. I mean, but, it happens okay. months months after three, and then we have years with not a lot. I get what you're saying, James, definitely. Uh, and also, <laughs> I will echo Code Veronica remake. I will also say Survivor remake. But go on, Steve. Yeah, right. So there are a lot of things that I want to go into, but I feel like I'm going to be talking for 10 minutes. So first thing, I am actually on the team, why are we even remaking this game? Like, this feels like if we're going to do this, we do this in the almost, I want to say, Western fashion, in that they do like a Spyro remastered or a Crash Bandicoot, like whatever the frig it was called, Insane Trilogy, 
like we just polish up the graphics, tighten up, maybe get some new dialogue. I mean, I think Nick Apostolidis would probably be down for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I, see, RE4 is a template for modern third-person shooters. It's an iconic game, and I'm pretty sure they use it in some game dev classes and stuff. Like, that's something you don't want to mess with. There's ways you can tweak the formula and improve it, which, you know, keep your eye out on the first day's for a YouTube channel. For but, yeah, I, I feel like a full-blown remake is... It's needless. Mm. And this is coming from someone who's like, RE4 is one of my top five Resi games. Do you do you think if they hadn't ported it every, what, three months, uh, <laughs> it would be, you, you would feel differently, though? Because I think that is partly because it just keeps on coming out. If it had just come out on the GameCube and maybe the PS2 and then maybe the Wii, and then we didn't really see it for a long time, people would be like, yeah, give us a HD version. But part maybe. of the sort of confusion about what's it going to be is the fact that, we yeah, we see it every year. I feel like if they did something like what Bethesda do when they re-release a Doom game, where they give, like, here's a new episode with new things, like uh, you can just make a side campaign with Luisera, for example, mm -hmm. or you can expand the mercenaries mode, or you can just go wacky and do, like, Operation Krauser or something, just make some more content in the game as opposed to remaking the game from scratch. Right, yeah. That, that, that's, um, that's my take from it. It feels like other games in the franchise could probably do with it. And I mean, we, we all joke, but Dino Crisis does seem to have a bit of a following at the minute for some reason. And yeah, I mean, Resi 3 has been modded as well, mm -hmm. it, including dinosaurs and Regina outfits and all these other cool things. Like, RE4 feels like the cornerstone of the third-person shooter Resi game. And it, I don't know, it just feels really weird to me that that's the one they're going to remake and not like any of the others. I mean, they, they had the opportunity for the takedown of Umbrella, like doing that properly, so to speak. Right, yeah. and there's there's theories that maybe this will go off kind of in its own direction, plot-wise, following on from Remake 3, and maybe it will be a bit more about the Umbrella takedown. Uh, there's just wild, wild theories out there. Uh, I mean, my favourite joke regarding Remake 4 is that it will eventually end up becoming the Devil May Cry 1 remake, which is fine <laughs> by me. Uh, you know, or uh, there is the, the Hookman version. And right. Or those other things. If they can find a way to cobble them in to a RE4, maybe I'm more on board. I don't want mm -hmm. just like a realistic version of the 80s action movie that is RE4. Right. I mean, it also depends on what 8 is, because obviously there's talk that that has Hookman-like elements in. So, I don't mm. know. I mean... Yeah, we can we can talk in circles, but I guess watch this space. 2022 isn't really that far away. I mean, by the summer, we'll probably have more of an idea of what the next game is. That'll keep us busy, and then we'll we'll arrive at whatever, whatever the next one is, whether that's Remake 4 or not, I don't know. To nutshell it, if there is no giant Salazar statue, if there is no where's everyone going bingo, I'm out. Right, where's the merchant <laughs> going to fit into this? Exactly! Where's <laughs> a madman gonna... with a coat full of guns? They're actually going to add bingo to this remake. <laughs> just to contextualize it, finally. He's just going to be like, where's everyone going? Bingo. And then open the door and they're all in there playing bingo. And the, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like it's like a Far Cry 4 ending. You can actually finish the game in 10 minutes if you just go into the bingo hall. Oh, it was fine. They were just going bingo. It's nothing wrong. Let's go home. And now, reading the file, letter from the director from Resident Evil 2 2019, Zombie Girl, who you can follow on Twitter at ZombieGirl880. Regarding the incident in question, I'm glad to report that it has all been taken care of. 
On February 19th, test subject 628 escaped from the lab and broke into our facility. 628 was originally from this facility's candidate pool and apparently returned in the hope of seeking help. 628 was quickly detained by our staff. As 628 was undergoing one of the lab's clinical trials, there was a distinct possibility that he had brought the virus with him. So we disposed of all of our test subject candidates as a precaution. Their speedy disposal was conducted by the security team, to whom I'd like to extend my thanks. And as for our neighbors, we told them that due to the building's dilapidated state, we have temporarily moved all the children to a different orphanage for their safety. As to the future of this facility, once it has been fully decontaminated, I plan to resume securing more test candidates. Our main subject on this episode of the podcast, as I previously stated at the top of the show, is the other half of the Resident Evil 3 package. Uh, Resident Evil Resistance, previously known as Project Resistance, has arrived. It's the multiplayer portion of Resident Evil 3, which, as you'll have noticed, we haven't covered in our Remake 3 episode. We're giving it its own time to shine. Um, Going to go around the room and give some general opinions before we sort of break it up. Um, obviously, I've been... Fairly high on this uh, since the closed beta. I got to play the closed beta, I played the open beta, and generally had a pretty decent time with it. Um, so I was excited to jump into this early. So overall, uh, I went into it feeling pretty positive, and I'd say, what are we, we're 26 days at the kind of recording out from release. Uh, still feeling pretty positive. There's plenty of stuff to tweak, which we'll get to, but overall, I'm feeling pretty happy with it. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about Resistance so far? Oh, oh, okay. Right. Uh, it's a little raw, for want of a better term. Like, it feels undercooked in play. I do enjoy it when I'm playing with the guys. Like, when you've got a full team together, it's great, but there are moments, there are moments that will drive me crazy. Like, uh, case in point, we're playing it last night with the Discord crew. We go into a game with a higher-level mastermind. And I, yeah, mostly I've played Survivor. There is some mastermind games in, under my belt, but mostly Survivor. And you can be killed in 30 or so seconds if they have, like, the certain level. Like, if they're, like, level 60-plus, and they just throw, like, five or six things, and that's it, your team's done. That's not fun. That's, that's, that's terrible. Like, no game should be that quick in a multiplayer mm -hmm. environment. I think there I is even, a bit more, but I think yeah. I even said, you know, if you're playing as that mastermind, was that even fun for you? You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's just boring, isn't it? Like, it, it, with the with the game having that ability, that balance issues, this game has them really badly. Right. But that being said, as a group, if you can get the you know the right combination of you and your buddies and the right mastermind, it can be a real fun time. Otherwise, it can be water torture. <laughs> Uh, James, how do you feel about your uh, experiences with Resistance thus far? Uh, yeah, so I've had a similar similar experience to Facebook, but I uh, Facebook Steve <laughs> to uh, to Steve. Uh, it's because I read it in chat. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I have quite an I've quite the experience with these kind of games, um, multiplayer games in the past. I've been playing them for over 15 years now i want to say um mm. this is a newer type of game um and i did enjoy it um i have not been a mastermind yet so i'm not going to be much uh use um when we start talking about masterminds but i mean i can i can i can curse them 
um, a lot. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, I, I, I did enjoy it. I played um, the beta with you guys in chat. And yeah, as, as Steve says, playing it in a team is super, super fun, uh, especially when um, you get two delegated uh, bat boys and you just start hitting everything with your bats. Um, that was super fun. Um, but then I played it solo um, for a full evening and uh some games i was having a ton of fun and i felt like i was useful and then other games i felt completely useless and i was literally just a protect tank i was just sitting there protecting my people as they did stuff because i felt like they knew a lot more than i did mm. so i was like okay well, i'm just gonna sit here with my bat and hit things that come at you um but yeah i i do i did enjoy myself did enjoy myself while playing the game it is it is fun Right, okay, and and the opinion we'd all been waiting for. Uh, Jordan, how do you feel about Resident Evil Resistance? I I really I really wanted to like this game. I honestly really did because it, it looks uh, fantastic. I think like the level of polish from the outset looks really promising. Uh, but when I got into the actual game itself, I was just uh, confused and frustrated. Um. And, and conflicted, because there's lots of great ideas here. In fact, if you were to put it on paper, it sort of reads like a wish list of what a lot of Resident Evil fans would ask for in an online experience intended to embody that, which is the single-player experience. Mm. In practice, and, and in execution, though, um, it is just modeled by what, what, is, what is frankly a release that's just come too soon. Um, I, I think these are still ideas that needed a lot more time to mature and certainly the servers needed a lot more time to be bolstered uh unfortunately um you know i I do think that at least part of this uh, game's development has been uh, compromised by the bringing together of two titles into one package that capcom can sell and it kind of plays like that i i i i Tried, I tried playing it over and over. I'd, I'd play I'd play a couple sessions and I would say, okay, you know what? I'm not really feeling this. You can, you can obviously, you can kind of complete a, a, a typical full campaign online in about, what, about 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a good impression very quickly of this game, which is a good thing, but everything else is um, not intended to acclimatize a new person to uh, this game. But I kept going back, kept trying new sessions. Um, and that's what I thought was interesting was because I kept finding myself being pulled back to the game to give it another try. So I was starting it up a lot, but I cannot remember a single point where I had fun. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from in a lot of ways. Um, Sorry, John, did you ever play with like anybody you could voice chat with as a team? No, no, which I think massively affects it because you you do need some communication, some kind of teamwork. Yeah, uh, otherwise it's very confusing. Definitely, um, it's definitely the the thing. I think right. this game lives or dies by it. It's uh, that is the optimal way. Um, I've enjoyed it playing it by myself uh, personally. Um, when I finished remake three, I jumped straight into it basically for like the next couple of days and didn't. didn't didn't go back to the main course, as it were. Um, and so I was just playing by myself because everyone was doing loads of runs of Remake Three instead. Uh, and I had some, I had some good times by myself. Um, 
but it is better with with other people. A lot of the issues that you're talking about, hopefully, and this is the thing about doing a podcast. Well, obviously, this, we've never covered something like this before, so this is the thing about doing a podcast about a game that evolves, that isn't necessarily complete. Updates are coming. Um, there's going to be patches coming. Um, Al Yang said on Twitter that, that that much that they're they're working on patching it. They just don't want to drop a patch too soon and then have to do another one. So they're kind of waiting it out just to see where everything falls. So you know, by the time this podcast is released, who knows? Might be a patch, uh, or very shortly afterwards. That might alleviate some stuff, like Steve you mentioned about going up against uh, completely different levels where it's just completely mismatched and, and stuff like that. Level six versus sixty-three. That, that that's a no-brainer. Come on. Like, right, the that, that has to be something. 20. Right, that's got to be something that gets tweaked, hopefully, stuff like that. Um, but in all fairness, it's a game that immediately, I if I jumped in now and I hadn't played it previously, I might feel alienated by um, knowing the maps, knowing what you've got to do, because there's only really a certain number of places to go for your objectives, uh, sort of knowing the layouts and stuff like that. Uh, is a big help. So if you're jumping in, kind of uh, a little bit later to it, it, it it's it's hard to get a footing on. Uh, I feel like. Mm. Um, so let's break it. Let's break it down. Let's talk about survivors first. Um, so, uh, James, when you start us off, is there any particular survivors that have stuck out to you so far that you like playing as, or anybody that you really didn't like playing as? Um, I, so when I play these kinds of, actually, when I, when I play any games, I always play support. I always mm-hmm. play the utility. I'm always standing by my tank or my DPS so I can keep them alive while they do all the work for me and then yell at them when they do the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> this is how I play computer games, right? Um, so I played Tyrone, um, and I played him for nine out of my 10 games <laughs> and he was he he's super fun. Uh I would, yeah, as I say, I would just stick near the person that would have the key and I would just bat the crap out of anything that came close to me. Um and yeah, I that that was uh so Tyrone is super fun. Um I didn't really understand the trait system. I kind of wanted to um I kind of wanted to try out Valerie. Uh, because I think I feel like there's a there's a better support there. I think there's somebody else that is a better support than like Tyrone would be because Tyrone's just a tank. Um, but yeah, uh, I love Tyrone, uh, and I, I really, I really wish I could um, speak more about the others. But I've only seen what they can do, and like, there's one that can hack the cameras, which is really neat. Yeah, um, like you'd have to be really, really observant to to check. Well, you don't have to be really observant because they're pretty obvious, but you'd have to be, you know, on the ball when, with the cameras to do the hacking and stuff and when to do it. It's someone who can just heal everybody, which is my which is my jam. I didn't know who that was, though. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess that's a problem, actually, huh? Like, it's a problem that I, even though I played 10 games, I didn't know who was doing all this stuff. Like, I, I was yeah. going through the game, and even though I was batty batty kill everything i didn't know what everybody else was doing um because it wasn't clear um yeah and i'll talk more about that later when we get into kind of gameplay mechanics and stuff but mm. yeah Ty- tyrone is my boy but i would have liked a little bit more clearer 
um, mechanics from everybody else, so I knew what everybody else was doing right. and what they were capable of. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose it requires a little bit of reading when you're in the lobby. You've got all these different skills and, you know, spending time reading all of them. Uh, <laughs> that's going to take a little bit. Um, my go-to has generally been January, which is the character you were talking about that can hack the cameras. Um, not quite sure where, when I fell into that, but uh, yeah, big fan. And I think uh, just by coincidence, by virtue, that she's one of the most important characters to have as part of the team. Um, sort of staying on top of where the mastermind is looking and stuff like that is, can be pretty much crucial. And Valerie, the healer, also pretty important as well. Those are the characters I'd say. Jan, probably Jan and Becca are probably the characters I played as most, if, depending on if I wanted to be a bit more support or kind of a bit more action focused, since Becca is a lot uh, focused on uh, doing damage, fire, um, firearms, and stuff like that. Generally, I, I don't think I played uh, Tyrone maybe one or two games. I haven't played Samuel at all. Um, that's, I guess, just my tastes as well. So I can't really speak to the quality of playing as them. But you know, I feel like there's a good range for me to pick from, at least. Um, Jordan, any standout characters for when you played? Uh, I played as Martin a lot, and I don't know why. <laughs> I still don't know why. Good old sandwich bags. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of I picked him at first just just because, well, oh, he was the one that was available, so okay, I'll pick him. Uh-huh. See, see what it's like. Um, but then, uh, because obviously his... Uh, his special abilities um, effectively stall uh, and stun enemies, uh, especially like, you know, bosses. Um, it just kind of makes it a bit easier um, to kind of manage crowd control and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was the one that I kind of gravitated towards. Um, I, I like, is it uh, Valerie? Is it, um, the sort of the, the the main, most sort of important character to kind of have because she heals, right? Yeah. Um, I did play as her once or twice when somebody hadn't already selected her. Um, but to be honest, I just felt a lot of pressure because <laughs> she is such an important character that you kind of have to be good at that character. Otherwise, the rest of your team's going to suffer. So right. I, I just stuck to Martin. No one picks Martin, so I pick <laughs> Martin. <laughs> and at least you have a carved out role there as well. Like You actually yeah. do, you do provide something like you can stun... Uh, tyrants and stuff with some of it. Exactly, I do. Stalled. I do nothing for ten minutes, and then I run in, flashbang. Right, do your one thing, and everyone cheers. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is exactly. Unlike, unlike me, where we played a game last night where I played as Valerie, who's I'm not someone I have as much experience with that I'd like, and I dropped the heal at the completely wrong moment. And looking back on it, we maybe could have succeeded if I had that heal skill later on. But there you go. That's that, that's that's how it goes. Uh, Steve, any standouts for you thus far? Uh, echoing Jordan, I would normally go for Martin as a spare part that might be slightly useful because everyone mm. tend to pick the ones I was going to try out. Like, you know, I haven't played a game of Valerie yet. Uh, yeah, sorry, Velma, no, Valerie, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I normally play healer classes or support classes anyway, so Martin's a good, like, follow-up. Yeah, Sandwich Baggins chat room, that's right, Sandwich Baggins. <laughs> right. I also, I think I've had a uh, soft spot for Becca. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because the, the ability to just go ham, especially if you, like, have looked on a support, a supply zombie and got, like, a decent weapon, you can then go from having a one-shot left in your grenade launcher to now having, like, an infinite ammo acid round grenade launcher, which, like, turned the tide in a few games. Right, yeah. yeah that, that, that kind yeah. of stuff's, like, fun. Um, I want to say that January is very fun to use as well, but 
I haven't got like the experience. I don't know when it's good to deploy the skills, if you know what I mean. I feel right. like every time I block a camera, I might as well have not bothered they've gone to another camera anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, overall, they're all fun. I think every character has a purpose, although it seems like most teams definitely always need a January or a Valerie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think every, pretty much out of the main six, everyone serves a purpose. Uh, those are the main ones. Uh, we've gone yeah. around and we've mentioned pretty much everyone. And now thinking about it, as I said, I haven't played as Samuel at all. I'm not even sure I played a game with a Samuel in it. So he might be the turkey, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be one, right? But but that's not bad. I think everyone serves a decent purpose. Um, everyone's got, and we were talking about the skills, everyone got their own personal skill and their fever skill as well. Um, which all kind of carves them out in specific roles. It's just a matter of uh, yeah, figuring out when's best to activate those and, and, and the best combination to do stuff in. Like Steve, you mentioned Becca's um, infinite ammo skill. Th- that works with rocket launchers, right? It works with anything, yeah. That's Any weapon. I love that. Um, and then on top of that as well, something that I think gets overlooked is they all have passive skills as well, which is kind of underrated. So Becca's uh, include the ability to get higher critical hits or enemies dropping more ammo, which is very relevant to her. Uh, one of Martin's lets him replace, instead of disarming traps quicker, he can replace traps uh, that are intended for survivors with traps for enemies, which is kind of nice. Uh, mm. One of January's hacks the shop system, so it's cheaper, so it makes sense for her characters. So they're quite, I think, in terms of actually building characters and skills, I think they're quite well constructed, other than Samuel, apparently. <laughs> So let's talk about actually playing as a survivor, talking about the main sort of beats of the gameplay. Um, James, again, why don't you start us off? How, how do you feel about the survivor gameplay in general? So, yeah, this is where my criticism is going to come in for the game because uh, I felt the animations were sticky and it wasn't because the animations uh, were going through. It was because literally your character would be doing nothing for like uh, half a second to a second. And that really put me off. Mm. Like I couldn't... Uh, I had to make, um, what's the word? I had to make allowances um, for a lot of the animation work that was going through. So it was very hard to play Tyrone, especially with swinging it back and also his long animation of just screaming. Um, (laughs) He would swing his bat and then I'm used to games where seamlessly you would then yell. Except if Tyrone is being hit by a gas cloud, he would cover his face um, but he would do that after he swings his bat. And by that time, the gas cloud is gone, right? But I can't scream because I'm still shielding my face from nothing, mm. right? So it was like really, really immersion breaking for me, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's my biggest criticism was that, um, was just animation seemed sticky and not right. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't right. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? So, other than that, though, like when everything was working and when I wasn't getting hit, which wasn't very often because I was Tyro and everybody loves hitting me. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I enjoyed uh, the uh, hitting stuff a lot and hitting stuff, getting a sledgehammer and hitting it more. It was great hitting stuff in that game because it had great. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Um, it felt really good when you would hit something in the head, for instance. You know, um, if you because you can actually aim with the bats and stuff, which I only realized mm. about four or five games in, right? And I was like, crap, you can do crits with baseball bats. That's great. I'm going to be aiming for every head. Um, 
yeah, so uh, I mean, that, that's my because I haven't played the game a tremendous amount. That's my input about it. Sticky animations, but I love hitting things. That's fair. And um, that actually made me think um, one of the complaints of Remake 3 was some of the zombie bite animations take a long time because obviously it's RE engine, it's the same animation. RE2, are you going to stab it? RE3, you don't have that ability. So some of the zombie bites take a long time. I could be wrong. I feel like that's not the case in this game. Uh, no, I. I... I, it's definitely a case in RE3. Yeah, the actual main they don't game. feel quite as elongated in this game. But yeah, there's some... And obviously it's a gameplay dynamic, is the, like the coughing from infection. But sort of the space in between that and your next move does feel a little bit sloppy. Um, it's not quite as fluid moving from one thing to another. So that's fair, that's fair. Um, Steve, what's your general thoughts on Survivor gameplay? I, as I said before, as, as a team... With the right people, it can be when you're not like, right, you go here, you synergize, there's a trap there, deal with it. And the whole, like, you get money from finding things, you know, exploring the environment, like a Resi game, you know, yeah. finding stuff around it, that's great. The, the problem is, though, you can clear a room and then in, set, in two seconds behind you, like, if you've got the right kind of mastermind, they've already repopulated it and they're now part. It, it kind of stuns you a bit. I don't know, it stunts my enjoyment a lot when you can't make any real permanent progression. Mm. and then they just keep launching thing after thing after thing and kind a weary onslaught but what, like I said with the right team and the right people behind you it can be a laugh it can be an enjoyable game I don't think I'd ever play it like in a, a persistent competitive sense because right, that would yeah. drive me crazy Yeah. but in, in a distilled resi experience I mean you've got your multi-lock keys you've got your puzzles in fact, you've probably got more puzzles across the same maps than you do in Remake 3, which is strange. <laughs> like, But the environments themselves, going through them, that, that's always fun. Like, they, They've put the work in on the actual level design to the point where I can get lost in that casino, and I've been in that casino like about 10 times already. <laughs> yeah, And there's a map button, for God's sake, and I still can't, <laughs> I can't find my way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the gameplay itself, I, I think, is fine, but it is built off the foundations of, you know, RE2 and RE3, which is why it's fine. Right. But I think that's probably a good thing, right? Because that gives them more time to focus on map design and and stuff like that, and obviously the character skills. I think one you mentioned sort of picking up items and stuff. I really like how they've handled some of the items. So you obviously yellow herb is back and that's gonna buff you up and there's blue herb to take out poison and stuff like that. There's uh there's some you're not just running around with a handgun, you know, there's choices to be made with 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 how you arm yourself and how you approach situations. So that's nice. Always. I mean the second chapter of any campaign I think is my favourite, where you have to like find the guard and then you have to find the three consoles. Because there's a bit of prep work you can do there where you can find the map, right. you can yeah, scout yeah. the map for bits you need as well. Mm. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the best part, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a bit that one in particular that you mentioned that part of the sort of three tiered thing that you do. It's a it's a bit like backtracky sometimes, which is cool because that feels very OG Resident Evil. Mm. Uh, Jordan, how do you feel about survivor gameplay overall? Well, to take it back to what I said about the design, um, the fact that there are so many features that can be found in the core games are, are found in this online game in some form or manner. It's really cool. Um, and that has a lot of promise. Uh, and I can still appreciate those things. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, one thing sort of relies on another to work. So, you know, the idea of you know getting four, four survivors together 
and almost in an escape room style uh, challenge. They need to collect items and you know put them together, solve a puzzle, move on to the next area, and then do something else in a similar fashion for the next area after that. I like that. I, I think that's really cool. Um, but the, the the notion is that you will eventually play it enough and you will learn those uh, map layouts so that you can quickly scout areas. You can scout areas which are more likely to have the pieces that you're looking for and such. Um, again, it all makes sense. I know what I know what the thinking is behind the design. Um, it's not like it's thoughtless, and I would I would never accuse the developers of of doing that. I would just say that it doesn't necessarily gel with the actual experience you have. So, to make something like this work. You need to have the core gameplay experience feel um, fantastic from the get-go. You know, to make something like shooting zombies feel good and, and not feel laborious, not feel like, uh, you know, not all of your hits are regist registering and stuff like that. Um, I, I mean, frankly, uh, we will get into presentation, but as far as UI, it is, it is a bit cluttered. And I, I think things like the... Um, the hit points, the RPG style sort of hit points anytime you hit a zombie kind of feel like they were put there because otherwise your hit detection doesn't feel great. Mm. Like as a player, it's it's hard to know whether or not you're actually going to get a shot because you kind of move. Um, uh, it's, it's not that you move slow. It's just that sometimes you might be lining up a shot and, you know, it is a network game. You can never be entirely certain whether or not you're actually going to get the hit. Right, right. So what I, what I would say is there's there's some really good foundations for uh, a game like this and the and the way that it plays but it requires time investment it requires knowledge of the maps and that experience but you don't get that experience if you're already turned off by the general core gameplay the general movement the shooting and also, to some extent, the level design. We have just come from an actual core Resident Evil game that had fantastic level design. That was so easy to navigate, you hardly needed to use the map. Um, you could figure out your route um, from any kind of direction um, and, and be able to you know, navigate it without any reference. And here... Playing on the online online game, I just I got lost a lot, mm. um, and so I would I, like I said, there's there's so much sort of promise there in certain places, uh, and if they could get the game to to feel a lot better, that's when they can build on it. Um, but if you're if you're a new person jumping into the game, I don't know what the you know the general sentence sentiments were with the with the beta, but. Yeah, if you're if you're only jumping in for a couple sessions, um, and you're only a couple of hours in, you're not going to get the necessary experience and knowledge of the game that it requires for it to really start to be fun and engaging. Right. That's that's so, fair. I think when you look at the betas, everyone was kind of on the same, you know, playing field. Nobody knew what they were doing, where they were going, and the mastermind gameplay was brand new. So the masterminds weren't quite sure what they were doing. So in that time, the people that got to play that, we were enjoying it because you know uh, we were all just as confused as each other. But now, yeah, I, I definitely agree. We had some games with Adam recently, um, 
and I, I kind of dreaded it for a second because we, we played a casino map, um, which is kind of, which can be confusing, especially early on. Um, even worse, the mastermind turning the lights off in the first room, just it makes it a complete mess. You have no idea where you're going. Um, which, yeah, it, uh, thinking about it, it gave me that feeling of like, oh, that's not you know a great way to start with this map, uh, your first experience of it. I guess there's two schools of thought to play devil's advocate, is that, you know, looking at the map and getting lost intrinsically is a part of classic Resident Evil. It's it's part of that makeup. But on the same token, it doesn't it doesn't make a multiplayer game fun. <laughs> there, there, there are some designs that are at odds. Yeah. I, you know, I, right. I, I think there's some fantastic designs. And there was, there was again, there's so many things that I loved about it. I loved that they had different inclusions of different things. Um, I especially love the rooms that you can get in, um, but enemies cannot. Um, stuff like that was mm. really cool. Uh, it's just the fact that you're you're trying to emulate as best as possible a game that is typically slow and methodical, um, and you know requires a lot of thought and planning. You, you know who hasn't sat there when they're playing Resident Evil and said, you know what, let's pause the game and let's figure out my next ten right. minutes yeah, of yeah. of gameplay to make sure that I take as little damage as possible when I'm going through this sort of treacherous path to my destination. And the problem is the game is not going to, resistance is not going to allow you to do that because it is, um, it's, it's an online combat game. Um, so the mastermind isn't, the mastermind isn't like a resident evil game. It's not slowly trickling in enemies and stuff like that. You can be overwhelmed from the get go. Mm. And, Combat is encouraged from the get-go. In fact, I I was almost always the last person um, actually heading off at the start point because I was busy picking up the stuff from the shop. Everybody else, obviously, much more experienced with the game, runs in, starts fighting. Um, so there's there's that element of of time that you you can't you can't waste any time. Mm-hmm. You have to start moving around stuff, and I think that's just at odds with what we're used to in in core Resident Evil gameplay. Um, you know where we we can take our time, and it's it's encouraged to really think about your next move. Here, it's 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 more about um, hitting the ground running, and I, I mean it's ambitious. It's and, and that's why there are issues. Um, and I applaud them for at least trying it, but I definitely think that it, it will need maybe some changing changes over time. And now, reading the file Isaac Graves' Diary from Resident Evil 3 2020, Mikey Russell, who you can find on Instagram at Animus Podcast. The pay was generous. The benefits were good. Most importantly, they promised me that I'd be contributing to state-of-the-art medical tech research. For a university student stuck working in nowhere America, it was a golden opportunity. Like winning the lottery. So... I went for it. I made the pitch to my family, and we agreed to move here to Raccoon City. Well, hindsight's 2020 because this lab is a den of monsters who conduct cruel and barbaric experiments for the sole purpose of taking human life in the most sickening way possible. It's messed up. The world needs to know, but every time I work up enough courage to blow the whistle, I think of Penny and Casey and immediately chicken out. Umbrella owns this town. There was this guy they caught trying to smuggle out company secrets. They essentially fed him to one of the betas. 
fed him. I saw the whole thing. I got my wife and my daughter into this. I just need to do my job. Do as I'm told for their sake. But let this be a testament that I do have a conscience and that I've learned my lesson. Well, let's change gears a little bit. You're talking about masterminds. Let's look at the other half of the game now, where you can play as the one rather than the four. Uh, flipping between cameras, spawning enemies, that kind of thing. It was uh, something brand new for the series. Um, and I think from the off, I knew this was going to be something that I enjoyed. And thinking about playing on like by myself, uh, this has probably been my go-to definitely more so. I love playing as a survivor with a group of friends more so than uh, randoms, uh, but Mastermind tends to be fun no matter what for me. Um, it's it, When you're fighting against organized teams, it's, uh, it can be really hard. Not necessarily not fun, but it can be really challenging um, for, for against teams that know what they're doing and are, and are working together, clearly in a party, that kind of thing. Um, but when you can overwhelm them eventually, uh, you know, filling up a room with stuff and watching them haphazardly try and fight their way through to the last puzzle piece, uh, that there's some there's some real joy in watching all of that play out for me. Um, and obviously, the masterminds brought some characters too. So I suppose you better talk about the characters themselves, uh, the four that we have available from the off in the game. And if anybody's got any favourites, um, for me. I mean, Daniel Fabron is the star, isn't he? He's 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 the kind of like campy ridiculousness that Resident Evil needs. Um, I love playing as Alex just because it's like cool to have Alex, and I like a BOW stationary. It's fun to like eat eat people alive with a giant plant. Um, but I think Fabron is probably the star of the show. Um, James, do you have any standout masterminds? Uh, I don't know if you managed to play as more than just a net because obviously you have to rank up to unlock them. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to try out the masterminds, but I never actually dipped into them. But mm. I mean, the only experience I have is going up against them. Right. And I will be as unbiased as I can be. Um, but uh, I <laughs> I am the same as you. Like, Daniel is amazing. <laughs> I loved hearing him <laughs> over great. the tannoy constantly. Um, it was great to hear him um, every time. But I think, <laughs> the, I think the coolest thing, and it made me want to play her, was um was oh no actually it was two two people alex and uh is oswell right yeah spencer yeah yeah alex and oswell um alex because i just walk into this room following my party and suddenly as tyrone i just get walloped from the side and then eaten by a plant and i was like what what just happened <laughs> <laughs> you know i was like what just happened um and i think someone came on the uh someone came on the the mic at the time went well that's him eating i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I, I that was great i i, I love that um and the the last uh, i think we only had about 30 seconds and i had to make a break for it back to the the ending but yeah, um, with Oswell as well, he has these, um, he has like these firewalls, literal firewalls, doesn't he? Yeah, which, they're laser grids technically, but yeah. Yeah, which is so cool. And when one appeared on me, I was I was like, oh, and it did because I was Tyrone, it didn't do much damage at first. And I'm just going to stay in here and just keep beating on this cell. And <laughs> yeah, and then seconds later, I was dead. I was like, oh my goodness, this is like Mission Impossible stuff. This is great. <laughs> um 
Yeah, but I, d- I didn't see anything other than Birkin and Mr. X, um, which are just beat-em-ups. They're just like, uh, it's just a, a time attack, basically. You're just, beat- you're just beating them to death um, or waiting them out. Um, I didn't see any great uh, versatility when it came to those two, uh, Annette and, and Daniel. But I loved hearing Daniel um, and I loved hearing Alex because she's got a nice voice and also mm-hmm. she has a plant. Um, yeah, it's I, yeah. So from a from a character's perspective, and just through my own um, uh, ridiculous optimism, I just loved being eaten and being um, <laughs> yeah f- fired up. It was great. I I, I love that. <laughs> Steve, any standout masterminds on your end? Uh, much like everybody, well, most of the newbies, I unfortunately have only had time to play as Annette. But I do think that that yes, Daniel's the star of the show. But they were all fun, like. Mm. As Car- even Annette, even though you know, breaks all continuity for her to be controlling a husband and all the rest of it, you know, she sounds like they all have their own character, their own archetype to them. Annette's like the board systems analyst who really is like, oh, can we get on with this, please? <laughs> and then Daniel's obviously the, the party boy who's just having fun torturing people, yet still cheering them on. Alex <laughs> is Alex from Revelations 2 in the sadistic sense, which is great. And then... Spencer's like literally hamming it up as I the right to be a god is now mine. Have a laser. (laughs) (laughs) They are all the proper campy resi villains that we need. Uh, Fabron is still like MIA if they bring him into the if it's a Waluigi situation, he stays only in resistance and the fans start insisting he comes into another game, it's gonna be glorious. You know how Waluigi was right, okay. Side note, but the character of Waluigi was not created by Nintendo, but fans want him in everything. Like, they want him in Smash Brothers. If Fabron becomes Resident Evil's Waluigi, I am down for it. <laughs> like, yeah. so, so what you're saying is Fabron for Smash Brothers? Yes, Fabron for Smash Brothers. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Oh, man, you've just... Oh, the internet's going to hate It's fine. <laughs> It'll be an assist trophy. It was spawned <laughs> the tyrant on you, you know, all that business. <laughs> and trench coat. <laughs> Trenchy, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's great. The, the very tongue-in-cheek characters, a lot of them. But I think Daniel is the the developers poking fun, and they yeah. clearly had fun yeah. making him. Yeah, At definitely. I, think, I assume shows. they made him. Yes, it, it very much shows as well. I feel like, uh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? But it's so it's weird because remake three again. We we're, were talking right at the beginning of the podcast about tone and stuff. Um, this is so different because this game is so wacky like that uh, but it's mm. so nice to have that back in in this kind of like silly offshoot non-canon game they absolutely should have gone in this direction with it um, it'll be and we'll get to this in just a moment um, but it's going to be really exciting to see how they handle Nikolai as well uh, Jordan any stand up masterminds on your end? Well I think they all kind of stand out uh, I, I think they do a fantastic job in kind of emphasizing their characters, which I think obviously doesn't go as much for the survivor characters who obviously they have plenty of voice lines themselves, but kind of get sort of um, outspoken Mm. by, by the masterminds themselves who are almost constantly running into their own monologues. Um, But I really, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed how hammy it was. Um, I, I would, I would say, to, to to try and offer something uh, you know apart from sort of the praise for for Daniel, um, I especially I especially liked you know hearing Annette and 
just just the way that it's kind of and this goes for most of the masterminds this kind of perverse idea that they're putting the survivors through all of this for some kind of greater good um and especially when you are losing as a survivor just constantly reminding you i don't worry you know you know even though you suck uh this is all going towards some (laughs) you know some some greater uh, motive for us um but yeah, I, th- I think uh, out the gate, there's some some pretty you know great characters uh, to kind of subject the survivors to, and I, I say this from a lot of the sort of survivors' perspective, because again, I I didn't get to play as the masterminds. I I played the uh, tutorial, uh, but as far as actually trying to get to play as a mastermind, I just I just couldn't. I was waiting in lobbies. Um, it's obviously it's very popular. Mm. Well, it's both very popular and very limited because there's only one slot. Um, but I, w- I would say it's definitely a highlight of the game to have masterminds. I- I'm actually kind of curious as to, and we'll get into gameplay in a second. But I'm curious how it plays on PC because I would imagine it's a bit easier to manage so many resources uh, through a mouse rather than a controller. Yeah, no, that's that's probably true actually. Um, since we're pulling up to gameplay then. Um, Jordan, you said you haven't played as the mastermind. James, you said you haven't got a chance to play as the mastermind yet. Uh, so, Steve, uh, how much time you spent with the mastermind? Did you get any any takes from the gameplay there? I did. I've only played as a net on both PC and P and uh, PS4. It's, it, the control scheme is honestly easier with a pad for me. I can mm. obviously there'll be some keyboard wizards who can like you know proper do their StarCraft clicks per minute and all the rest of it and make it so it's amazing on PC. But for me, I was still playing it with a controller for the most part. And I have, for someone who plays a lot of strategy games and real-time strategy games, I have no merry idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> like, I, I've said it a couple of times to the the, the guys when we're playing, and it's like, my, my approach is very much the, the kitchen sink strategy where you just launch everything out and see what sticks. Right. I'll yeah. occasionally possess, like... Um, I saw another player and decrypted that they were hiding the security zombie in round two. And we figured that out. And ever since I've been trying to do that one tactic, and that's the only strategy I've, I guess, stolen <laughs> and added to my my belt. Otherwise, it literally is a case of, right, spawn this, spawn this, spawn this, traps, landmines are rubbish. Right, move on to something else. But this, 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 and this. <laughs> uh, and as for the super mode, like in the beta, obviously you could play as a tyrant. And... The tyrant is vastly superior to Mr. Birkin. Birkin takes forever to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 he's unwieldy, unwieldy. I don't see anyone seeing him as that's the best buyer weapon in the game. Like yeah, even compared yeah. to a plant that doesn't move in a laser grid, Birkin's just too slow. Um, yeah. He's probably the lowest rung, I think. I think um, so. I guess comparing him to or comparing Annette to Fabron, Annette's got some. Uh, really handy cards that she can use, like spawning three dogs at once, which is pretty cool. Uh, so maybe that's the idea of balance there. But you're right, um, playing as the tyrant uh, is is really good fun. They're pretty easy to kite, both him and um, who we've taken to calling the Incredible Burke. Um, <laughs> uh, because if uh, if you get into a room where there's like a structure in the middle, like the desk in the... Um, downtown map you can just run around in circles um until they run out of time uh which is unfortunate but that's just part of it that's just part of understanding when the best time to use the tyrant is when to drop it in and just clear out everyone with a few wild swings because uh yeah tyrant's punches can take out 
pretty much everyone's, you know, in a few swings, and they both got insta-kill as well on top of that. In terms of mastermind tactics, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I'll, I'll look on the map where, where the survivors have to get to, uh, lock the doors, fill it with stuff, and then when they open the doors, lock them behind them and just see kind of what happens. That's pretty much what it comes down to for the most part uh, for me. But I don't know, it's, there's, there's some fun in that. Uh, in terms of what makes them a bit more adaptable, which is really cool, I haven't played with this too much yet, but obviously with each map, there's certain areas where the keys and stuff like that can be. And you can set that up individually yourself. You can create your own presets of where the keys can be. Oh, right, okay. I don't know you get that far. Yeah, in the custom uh, section part of the uh, menu, you can come up with your own preset, so you can pick where the keys are going to spawn and stuff like that. That's really cool. That uh, that way, players don't learn what preset they're on, you know, based on a few factors at the beginning or whatever. Um, so that's cool. And uh, each mastermind also has their own sort of deck of cards that they pick from, and you can change that as well. So as you rank up, you'll unlock more cards, and you can swap them out. Um, obviously, like many, funnily enough, in a strange way, like many card games, it, it kind of reminded me of when we were talking about Teppan. You don't want too many cards that are sort of too much of a high cost because you will be sitting around waiting for them. So you've got to get a good balance of like really good expensive cards and then some lower stuff where you can keep chucking out zombies. Um, so that that's cool. It gives you some sort of like variation to play with as a mastermind, both of those things, which I think is really nice. Um, my only problem is that it, it probably it's going to take a while at least I feel like it's take a while to rank up enough to get enough to play with there especially in terms of making your own deck up um, maybe if you focused on one obviously it would be quicker but I still felt like it's taken a while we've got people on our server that are rocketing up the, the levels high arc um and his awful to play against all masterminds especially Spencer but all of them in general um so that, that's, that's a struggle, obviously, and we're going to be talking about um, some of the equipment and stuff in a bit. Um, but uh, before we move on to the next segment, we didn't really mention... I, I name-dropped Nikolai, but we didn't talk about the fact that Jill was a free character. Did, uh, did anybody else get to play as her? Yeah. I, I think, you know, I was talking about Sam earlier and how he's kind of superfluous. Mm. I kind of feel it's because Jill's here. Yeah, that's very like, everything, everything she does, it's like what he does only at range. And more powerful, right? So you know, because he can dodge, he can like do a dodge dash and then lunge into attacks. She can do a dodge, and she's got a pocket magnum that looks like a Beretta or a pocket rocket launcher, says the Ark Thompson. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that thing is ridiculous. Like that—that's a room cleaner. Yeah. Whereas Sam, Sam's got, I'll oh, punch this thing several times. Jill's just like hilariously, like way more powerful. Yes, yeah, literally ridiculous. a hero character. She um, she has another skill on top of that as well, where if you have your fever skill fully charged, but you haven't used it, if she gets grabbed from the front, she can knife a zombie off, a la Remake 2, and, and, <laughs> and avoid the damage, which is ridiculous. And it doesn't even use up your fever skill. It just drops down a little, and you get it back up again. She's, she's pretty broken, as I said in the opening of the show. Uh, good fun. Everyone seems to be jumping on picking her as soon as possible when you play games online. Um, but yeah... She's even got a unique melee combo as well. If you just That's hammer true. the right stick, yeah, yeah. she's got like a stab and two kicks, which is very like RE4-esque, the, mm. the snap kicks. Yeah, I think they probably over-egged it, to be honest. She's probably... I don't know how you're going to scale her back to balance her if that's the plan. Um, I, otherwise, she's yeah, she's going to be... 
in every game because she is very over overpowered at the moment. Um, but she's the first of many free updates, apparently. Um, so she's she's been out since beginning of April, sort of time. Um, as we cross over into May, sometimes we're gonna, we're going to get Nikolai as uh, a mastermind with presumably Nemesis as his BOW. Um, after that, what appears to perhaps be a new map coming down the line and then further updates is what it says after that. So it, it's good that they're dropping new content in. Hopefully that keeps up after the first three months and they don't just drop it if there is... It Obviously it depends on how much uh, player drop-off there is over the next few months, I think. Um, but I'd like to see them keep it up to sort of the end of the year. Um, I think I think it'll be a way to go with it. You know, some a new thing every month. You know, that's if you equal it out, if you average it out, you've got three new characters, three masterminds, and three maps. If you want to do it that way, or or maybe you just go with a couple of masterminds uh, because a variety of maps and characters is probably more important. Uh, but it's good that they're doing that. Um, so let's let's talk about general little bits and pieces. Let's talk about presentation first, I guess. Um, Jordan, why don't you start us off on this one? How do you feel about the way the game looks and sounds? Well, I think it looks pretty good. Uh, obviously, it's based on the same the same engine. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's been effectively developed for five platforms. You got you got PC, and then you got the two Xboxes and the two PS4s. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how it needs to scale, now I was playing on just regular Xbox One, so I would assume that I am playing sort of uh, the weakest version. Not that there's a great deal of difference, but because it's uh, it's clearly kind of a scaled um, graphics engine, you, especially when you're going from Resident Evil 3, uh, which obviously handles its resources completely differently, there is a marked down resolution on on you know certain uh, character characters if they are not too uh, not too close to you. Um, I, I think as far as sort of the overall presentation, there's been a lot of effort put into the asset creation. There's lots mm. of um, unique stuff here. Uh, all the maps are, you know, really enjoyable. Um, and, and yeah, overall, it kind of, it looks better than I thought it was going to look because I've seen plenty of games come out where they have a, they have an online mode and sometimes the online mode doesn't even look like it's from the same engine because it's had to be kind of yeah, yeah. refined so much. Um, I remember that being, I remember that being the case with Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter back in the day. It's like the, the, the main single player campaign was graphically at the time, one of the 360's best looking games. And then you played the multiplayer and it, it felt like it was about five years older. <laughs> um, but that was in, that was, down to performance and, and how well uh, it played. I don't necessarily think that the um, the engine itself is is what causes any issues with performance. I think that is still a server side issue. Um, so I think they can iron that out, and it still looks like a great uh, a great game. As I said before, I think the the UI is a bit is a bit too cluttered and not necessarily that helpful because there's no there's no inherent mini map um, that's just included there. You have to pull it up, um, and if you have to pull it up, you f try and find less reasons to do it because you're trying to focus on other things. Um, but yeah, other than that, if you're if you're going from the main game to this, that will be one thing that helps you to acclimatize to it a little better because you're going, oh, you know, it 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 looks pretty much the same, um, which certainly helps 
to legitimize this as a as a full combination package rather than just two games that have been in development and one gets you know put into the other and uh you know it it certainly feels like it's been made with a lot of effort it's no um it's, it's no umbrella core what is <laughs> <laughs> james how do you feel about the presentation uh, I, I love the look of the game. Uh, it looks great. Uh, I think the thing that drew me in uh, when uh, I first started the game up was that FMV that you get, the movie. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Um, it looks amazing. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is great. I'm going to have a tons of fun with this one. Um, but yeah, then I got into the game and it looks great still. I mean, obviously it's not the movie uh, quality, but still it looks fantastic. Um, however, there were some problems when it... because. And and, it, and it's because of the tight uh, corridors you're down. Um, there is so much clipping happening, uh, and your camera's moving around so much. And sometimes, say if you're overwhelmed, and I know that's this is meant to be a mechanic, but at the same time, your camera being lost in a wall is not meant to be a mechanic. Mm-hmm. And like my camera would get lost in a wall a lot of the time when I'm trying to move around. I'm like, wait, where am I? Oh crap. There's two more dogs. Okay. Well, I'm going to turn around again. Oh, I'm in a wall again, you know, or I can see the inside of Tyrone's face. Um, it was, it, it, it was, that was, that was hard to, to get around. But other than that, the game, the game looks great. I played on PC. Um, and it, it, you know, uh, which I think at the moment is considered, uh, the prettiest of the platforms to put it on, and it it, it looks it looks fantastic. I just wish uh, corners and corridors were easier to maneuver around, and I wouldn't and I would stop clipping through stuff, um, or or my my camera would stop clipping through stuff. Um, that is, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think Jordan like kind of hit on a lot of uh, nails there. Like it's it. it there's not really much more I can say other than it looking no, that's, great. That's fair, yeah. I can't say I've had any... I understand where you're coming from a lot of clipping through characters and it, it get a bit of a, a mess with loads of, like, um, different character models and enemy models going on. I haven't had too many, like, stuck cameras in the wall yet, I have to say. So maybe I've just been lucky, but... Uh, Steve... Uh, it, oh, it, does, it doesn't get stuck. It doesn't get stuck. It just clips through the wall. Right, yeah, yeah. I've not and had then when, when you And then when you... Or it clips through an object... Right, and when you're surrounded by, say, three zombies and dogs, and maybe there's a Mister X around, right. it, it it discombobulates you. Yeah, but yeah, it does yeah. to me anyway. Yeah, I can imagine actually. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about uh, the presentation? Pretty good. Like uh, to undersell it, it, I have no complaints. The actual set design, the levels themselves, they're pretty solidly well, well built. I like everything's got its own unique feel and taste. I mean, there's also some low key Darkstalkers models. And- Ages, so you know, got <laughs> them being remembered. That's good. Mm. You know, that in itself is great. The actual visual design, the 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 hood, like compared to the initial reveal, is a lot better. Jordan, like if if this new hood is like terrifying, you imagine just how bad that one was. Like, but <laughs> my god, it's still cluttered to hell. And the uh, you've got to like track how much HP you've got, how much ammo you've got, your objectives, your map. And there's always like these different little p- things pinging up. It can be a bit tedious, and that's putting it mildly. And if you play as a mastermind, obviously, you've now got the details on enemy vitality, and then you've got your the card deck and camera swapping. And 
it, it wasn't until yesterday I realized on the controller, at least, using the trigger buttons lets you swing around with a mastermind thing. If you didn't do that, getting around is a nightmare. You have to bring up your map, and then you have to slowly crawl over and click another camera. See, I, I actually prefer doing it that way. <laughs> I really? feel like I've got more control picking the camera rather than just gambling that left or right is going to go where I want. It feels so slow. Mm. Uh, like the, the, the actual getting around, using it that way, it, uh, I can handle it, but the locations themselves... And the areas they've built, I think, are solid. And I I kind of wish they would do more with them. And I hope they don't just sit in resistance. Like, they need to be repurposed somehow. I I feel like they could string them together to be, like, challenge maps, like, fourth survivor-style things or something. Yeah, that, it, that's fair. I mean, they don't have to be... It feels like they could be their own little mini campaign. They could build a campaign out of these maps and then put them in as a single-player experience as well. Because mm-hmm. they clearly are built for a four-player co-op versus one, you know, one mastermind, which means you can easily just do, yeah, string up the rooms with so many items, so many keys. It'll be a shame. It'll be a yeah. shame because they. I won't say they're iconic, not yet. They're a little bit too early, but there are definitely a lot of interesting visuals and pathways. Like even the downtown area, which should be boring as hell, and it's because it's just an office that leads to another office and then a factory warehouse. Mm-hmm. Strangely, has a lot of good, like you know, lighting. Right, it has pathways. character. Yeah, yeah, they're strong. Uh, and, they're strong, definitely. Also, I... there is uh, there's a shout out to the bathroom of doom. You know? <laughs> the bathroom of doom. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Discord has a uh, member called Luigi who went did populate a bathroom and he didn't need to, and everyone just literally got all the keys and ran. It was kind of funny. I thought I'd share this story. It's famous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the maps are really strong. Um, I think they, I mean, it's really good that they are because there's only four of them. Um, and obviously that can get really repetitive. Uh, but the fact that we're, we're still playing um, at the moment, a few weeks in, uh, I still feel pretty good about it. Um, I would have probably, if it was down to me, prioritised uh, new maps over new characters. Um, but I also get that they wanted to put characters out there to pull people in quicker. You know, hey, look, it's Jill. Hey, look, it's Nikolai, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. We need. We need. To, I think we're, it's going before too long. We're going to need an extra map or two. But right now, uh, they are really good, and let's hope that the future ones uh, keep the quality up. Um, so let's talk just a little bit more about uh, the fact. Obviously, it's an online game, so you are going to encounter various bits and pieces with the servers. I haven't had too many issues myself. Uh, Jordan, you mentioned it's a struggle sometimes to get a mastermind game um, to the point where you didn't really have any luck with it. Uh, that that can that can be an issue. But there was a lot of problems with the um, the open beta when it finally launched on PS4, which took took days because there was some sort of issue there. Um, but there was long waits sometimes between games. But since the game has actually come out, I generally speaking haven't had any problems. I've had a few games end with bad connection. Uh, but most of my issues have just come from people going to the lobby, not being able to pick what character they want, and then backing out. You know, that's typical online behaviour. It's got nothing to do with the game necessarily. Uh, but in terms of server issues, like generally speaking, I've had nothing remarkable to say over other online experiences. Uh, Jordan, what's your experience with the sort of server system been like? Well, I would say that it is... Uh... Uh, you know, I would I would say it's a, a sort of below average in terms of kind of performance that I've that I've come to expect from a lot of online games. Uh, understandably, something like this, uh, 
takes a lot of uh, you know work on the server side to make sure that everything is in sync. Uh, you've got this asynchronous type of gameplay, you know, relies ha- so heavily on kind of response. And so, you know, when I was playing the game, a- again, uh, you know, just so that people understand, I'm playing on the original Xbox One. Um, I have a very good internet connection, so uh, I, I don't think it was necessarily that, but it could be that um, the platform, you know, restricts my experience to some extent. I don't know, uh, but I, I I noticed a lot that the frame rate was very inconsistent. Um, if you go into you know a, a room with you know more than two or three zombies, you are going to start seeing. Um, some drops in frame rate, yeah, and that that really affects the already delayed feel of the of the combat and and actually registering hits uh, when you're using a gun. Um, I don't think you necessarily get it as much when you're using a melee weapon because uh, I think you just overall have a a greater range um, when you when you're actually attacking. Uh, but that was that was my main issue. Yeah. Uh, was that just uh, you know there was it wasn't like there was some outright connection issues. It wasn't like people were teleporting around the room. I really didn't experience that. I just experienced that the the frame rate in general was just um, affected. And I do think that that's a server side issue because it almost always comes down to uh, you know when you were trying to register. Uh, an attack or an interaction rather than just sort of like running around the map it's actually when you are trying to shoot um a zombie or you're trying to shoot the mastermind controlling an enemy um that's when it seems to kind of choke up these can be fixed but obviously you know once it's on the market this is the most important time to to have it fixed um i mean i can't say that my experience with capcom online games is extensive um because uh, it's outside of Street Fighter, uh, which is obviously a completely different game. Um, I just don't have that experience, but yeah. there's room for improvement. Absolutely. Um, as far as as far as sort of availability of games go, uh, I, I kind of expected that there was going to be issues with like the availability of Mastermind slots and mm. stuff like that. But um, that's that's my experience so far. Steve, any problems with the servers yet, or has it mostly been smooth sailing? Well, like the beta, you'd get a party. And then this party of four would be disintegrated in the matchmaking. Like mm. someone would be kicked out to then fill new players. That kind of stuff happens a lot. But more often than not, it's either being steamrolled by high powered masterminds or people rage quitting this. Yeah, yeah. Or just that, that common phrase of unstable connection to mastermind just on your screen the entire game. With right. uh, the odd the odd rubber banding zombie, but that can be down to just the fact that I am on perhaps the worst internet internet provider in the UK. You know, I'm breaking down in the previous podcast, for example. So <laughs> I I can't really knock the game for that. I can knock the game for its balancing. Mm-hmm. But the only real issue I can see is that you know the group party being split up for the sake of matchmaking with different people. That's the only thing that really confuses me. I don't know why that happens. Does that happen a lot in these kind of games or not? You know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have enough online experience with other games to say for sure, to be honest. I know it. I have been in games where that has occurred. And now that you mention it, yeah, it does happen occasionally in Resistance. Uh, I say that unfortunately. 
I only play, I tend to play co-op games, you know, unless, or it's a 1v1 sure. like, like Jordan, Street Fighter and stuff like that. Or Tekken for Steve, but I do that. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's the only real outside of video game balance stuff. Fair puzzles. enough, yeah. Uh, and James, what about you? What are the servers like over there in PC land? Uh, they're pretty good. It, would it be also okay to talk about uh, longevity and kind of the esports scene a little bit, maybe? Go for it. In this section? Go right ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, the, the PC servers are okay. Um, I was getting, as a survivor, I was getting into a game every minute and a half, two minutes, which is a vast improvement on the beta. Um, I always kind of compare online games to how I would get into a game in League of Legends. Um, and in that game, you would get in between anywhere between three to five minutes into a game. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty good, although it's got a little less to worry about than League of Legends. Like, it's it, it's pretty good um, in, in that sense. In terms of lag, maybe the sticky animations I was talking about earlier on are to do with server. Um, I'm uh, Possibly. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I have very good internet. Um, well, <laughs> not the past couple of days because Virgin have been a little bit right, silly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I pay for really good internet and it's normally um, pretty top. And it's, yeah. So if it is lag, then I would say it's on their server side. But other than that, I've been getting into games pretty fast. Um, there was a moment really late. So I'm going <laughs> to, it was, it was like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And I had I was waiting in this queue for about 15 minutes and it was the only time this happened every other game was a minute and a half two minutes but this one game it took me 15 minutes and yeah. we were constantly at four out of five and I'm guessing we were looking for that mastermind mm. and then we it got to five out of five and then someone dropped or something dropped and then it just carried on I was like oh, okay this is the age-old uh question I'm gonna have to have my ask myself do I leave to try and restart to try right. and get into a quick game Right, but no, I think the servers just having an issue at that point because mm. I left and then I was in the queue for another six to seven minutes. So then I went on to do other stuff during the stream. Um, so I just assumed that the servers were a bit silly. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about next about longevity when it comes to uh, the game um, and uh, like if it does have an esports scene, um, what that would mean because I don't think this game can in its current state. It will not handle an esports scene. No, um, at all. Um, it, it it would because um, I know this was a question we had when it when it when it when we did did our last podcast about it, and it just it just isn't possible. But you can see the potential there. Um, I played an old old game way back. And I spoke about it a couple of times called Evolve, which I believed if the company behind it just um, pulled their fingers out, it could have been an esports. Uh, Dead by Daylight slash Resistance kind of mm. game because it's a 4v1 massive maps, one monster against four hunters, and it was fantastic. Um, you can definitely make an esports out, out of it, right? Which is what I'm excited about if they uh, improve stuff. Like I've seen, uh, I, I think it's from, from you, Sanit, you've retweeted stuff that they're really trying to improve stuff. They're yeah. always putting up updates, and that's really good to see. Having transparency from a developer is so important when it comes to an online game like this, having complete transparency and being real. Um, and it's it's nice to see the community is not being that harsh either. I Not that I've seen so far. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, in terms of longevity, 
right now because of the because I ran into the same problem as Steve, where I went up. I was only level two or three, and I went up against a level fifty something, um, and I think it was an Oswell game, and we got destroyed utterly, and utterly destroyed. Now I've been on online games for a while, so it didn't demoralize me. But I was like, oh, that's kind of unfair. Went into my next game, and again, I was up against a level 30, level 40, and I was like, mm, okay, this mm. isn't fair. Um, so when it comes to longevity, they need to fix that. Um, eventually, we discussed this in the Discord, but eventually, there's going to be a bunch of old veteran players who are going to have all the traits and everything, and then there's going to be a smaller number of, of newer players that come in, they're going to play it for like 10, 15 hours, and they're probably not going to play it again. Yeah. Right. So I can see they need to fix that. They need to fix, find some way to deal with that because that's what the end goal is going to be right now. We were already seeing it only was it two, three weeks it's been out. Mm-hmm. Um, we were already seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they, and I want them to, I want them to be successful. If they want to be successful, then they need to fix that gap there. Yeah. I think. Um... As you said, the, the transparency is good. There seems to be genuine passion from the development team on this, and they are working on updates and patches and stuff like that. So hopefully uh, that's going to come in the not-too-distant future. That's We talked about it a few times. That's definitely one of them. Whether that's um, just a way that the server kind of figures it out depending on who it's matching up, or if there's going to be maybe separate lobbies depending on what rank maybe. I don't know. Um, something like that would be good. One my one minor tweak that I would love to see in a future update is uh, refers back to the fact that we've been playing with people on the server. We've been playing with four groups of five fairly frequently because there's a lot of people out there right now that want to play the game, um, and we've been doing it. So we're in a, a matchmaking group of five, um, and we've been rotating around who's playing as the mastermind. Um, as I see it so far, unless we've somehow missed it, there's no way to kind of assign who the mastermind is going to be. Um, whoever opened the group, whoever the host is, that person is the mastermind. So if you wanted to rotate mastermind around a party of five, uh, we had to repeatedly leave the room and open up a new one and invite everyone back in, which is not the end of the world by any means, but it would be a nice little quality of life thing to sort of like uh, assign a mastermind. Yeah, have a hot seat kind of thing. Whatever way they want to do it, it's just a small adjustment that perhaps needs to be made just to sort of make the process of getting from game to game you know, much, much more sharp. Um, so the last thing that I want to talk about before we sort of wrap up is the last sort of piece of the fact that this is an online multiplayer game uh, and we talked about whether or not this would happen and when it was kind of revealed um, we said oh it's just cosmetics but uh, it turns out that's not the case how do we feel about the loot boxes in this game (laughs) Um, for me it doesn't bother me completely um, but I get why it's an issue with people and it is an issue with gaming in general um, you're going to play this game, you're going to rack up some points that you can spend on either cosmetics, which are more expensive, or equipment for scenario- uh, survivors or masterminds. Uh, you you kind of, you know, place which one of those three you want, cosmetic or survivor equipment or mastermind equipment, and you'll get some random stuff. Um, and obviously you can pay for this with real world money as well. Um, if it was down to me, I would have had those equipment tied to something else in some way rather than something you can purchase uh, through real-life currency or even the in-game purchasable currency, perhaps, and just kept the cosmetics as something loot boxy. Um, 
but but that that's just how how I feel about it. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like it breaks the game yet, but I could be wrong. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the, the sort of loot box dynamics? That is this the first time we've got this in Resident Evil? I'm not even I'm not sure, but uh, you see, I, I think it was in Umbrella Core, but I could be wrong. Right, I, 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 I mean that that barely counts, right? But <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's technically you could argue there's records in Revelations too, but right. they're in game. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like the only thing you can spend real money on in this is those RP boosters, which is to get currency. Right. So to, it doesn't give you the to currency. Boost your currency game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you still have to go out and earn that currency either way. To which I'm like, you might as well have not even bothered with the boosters in the first place. That seems redundant. Mm. The the loot box system in itself is surprisingly tame compared to some games. Like, I've played the game probably under, in, the, in my most dedicated save with the guys. You know, I, I've, I've, I've played what must be about eight hours tops, and I've already unlocked all of the basic gear for survivors. Like, and that's not through many games. That's through about 20 games tops. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, quick, that's quick and painless. That's, mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the, I'm, I'm assuming the prices of the boxes go up when you level up high enough. Yeah, they do, but yeah. That, but the case of when you can do all, all of a tier and there's only three tiers in a day or less than a day's worth of game time, that's not bad. I Like to the point where the RP boosters are redundant. Like it feels redundant. The only problem there is that, you know, if you want to have the most gains, you have to play in quick play where you can just get steamrolled and annihilated in seconds. You can't get much points from just playing with your friends, which is a shame because the, this game is most fun when you're playing with your friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the, you know, everyone's always controversial about loot boxes. I, I, you know, they shouldn't be in games where you have to pay money for a slot machine. I get that. But in this game, I'd say they're, they're mostly painless and they're all also bracketed. And the cosmetic stuff is there if you want to go get it. And honestly, I don't tend to pursue that stuff first. I always pursue mechanics first. So that's just the way I roll. Not me. I've got several golden guns and spray paints that I don't care about. Instead of equipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a single I've got EMP costume. rounds. <laughs> I've got EMP rounds with four metal jacket bullets and all these body armors. Right, uh, mm. and they're not. Uh, I, I should point this across, listener. These equipment, consu- these equipment things you unlock, they are not consumables. You don't use them the once and then they are gone. They are permanently changed. You can change and modify your loadout. It's not like right, oh, I've, got, I've not got a double health for one round. You know, it, you, you can effectively. Add to your character build. Right. It's stuff like, you know, increased defense or um, increase the amount that herbs are going to restore you by that kind of thing. And again, you need to rank up the characters in order to be able to equip some of the higher level equipment as well. So that's kind of an incentive to keep playing to actually use the equipment. You can't just all buy it all and have it right in front of you. You actually need to have exactly. it. Uh, so I guess that, that maybe is why I haven't necessarily felt the brunt of players who have clearly just bought everything. They've actually had to play the game as well, at least. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm still okay with it. But obviously the concept is very touchy. But in terms of resistant, I haven't had too much of a problem with it so far. James, how do you feel about the loot boxes? Have you had too much of an experience with them yet? Uh, yeah, I um, I made sure to splash every single... Uh, I just wanted to see what you would get um, I did manage to get a golden one because um, they were like 50 grand. But <clears throat> I this is a gray area for me mm-hmm. because I, I do like loot boxes. It's nice to open a box up and get something nice and shiny inside. But I want it to be something that's not going to improve either my or somebody else's gameplay. Right. I know that sounds really silly, but I want you to work for it. I don't want you no, to I just rent. I don't want you to just randomly get 
like something because oh Gary, I want what I want, and it's this may be the retro person in me is legacy stuff, stuff that you can only get from loot boxes or stuff that you can only get during a certain time, a limited time from these loot boxes. Um, you know, because that makes it fun. It makes it, oh yeah, I was around in 2020. Yeah. You know, you're in like 2032. I was around in 2020 when they were dropping the bunny suit for Jill. You know, <laughs> and this was the only time you could have got it. You know, and like that's cool. Um, I like, but I mean, I'm, they're not doing that. It's just that that kind suit, of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's the first thing that came to my head. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, that's the kind of stuff I like. I don't like it when um, you get boosters or anything the the word booster really makes me cringe Mm. um and it's just because of past experiences with other games evolve was one of them um yeah like again i'm gonna i'm gonna cite other games here path of exile league of legends the dreaded Fortnite, um apex (laughs) legends you know um these are successful games right that are completely free and they have no pay-to-win elements. They just have quality-of-life elements, right, that make it easier for you to play, not against other people, but make it easier for you to play and make it more presentable to, to yourself. Um, yeah, so it's it's early days, so I, I don't know how it's going to affect, but, I mean, we can kind of touch on what I was talking about earlier on with longevity, that it's going to get to a point where everyone's got everything at the end game and the new players are going to come in and say, "Oh, these guys have got everything. Right. Oh, they're going to kick, they're going to kick my butt." You know, I don't know if there's going to be a middle ground. I'd love there to be like a, a, a an area where people continue leveling up. They need to have incentive for that, reward people, you know, in a different way than just here's a booster. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's lazy. <laughs> it's lazy to to do that. Right. That's fair. I I, I definitely see where you're coming from for sure. Uh, Jordan, finally. Uh, what's your feeling on the loot box element of resistance? Well, uh, loot boxes are just about everywhere now, so you know we've all had some kind of experience with them. I don't necessarily have uh, too much against them if they can be sort of uh, measured in a way where they are quite clearly supplementary to the game. If you get to a point where you you have to take part in the loot boxes in, in order to uh, get any kind of edge in the game, is is when it starts to kind of envelop your game, and that's something that you don't want. So far, Resistance has really kind of played it off as this is just an optional thing. You can you can get these things if you want, but they're not um, they're not the do or die mm-hmm. um, option that you might find in some other games, which really do rest heavily on it. Uh, we have to take into a context that this is a online game that has uh, been tied in. Uh, with another title i do expect that to change over time and i do expect it to get a standalone release but i think that helps it at least out of the gate to begin with because if it had just been uh dropped as a standalone from the beginning it well could have been free to play and then you would have seen a much greater emphasis on the loot boxes and uh, you know starting out you wouldn't have necessarily seen a lot of additional content you probably would have seen a lot of existing content uh paywalled behind loot boxes and mm. so the pro- the approach that they have right now is pretty good it still feels pretty organic um but uh, it'll be interesting to see where exactly it goes 
yeah. because obviously it depends on how long uh, this game will sort of be in its kind of its peak traffic period. Um, but so so far, it's it's measured. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that's a good general feeling for the game. Really, um, we'll see where it is in a few months down the line in terms of updates and content and the loot boxes and everything else. Um, if you've made it this far into the podcast and you're not a member of our Discord server, then probably a great time to join. As I say, we've been playing with people on there as well. Um, various, I think there's probably maybe enough to make a game for every console. Maybe questionable about Xbox, but there's definitely enough PS4 players and some PC players on there as well. So if you are looking for people to play with, um, feel free to pop in and, and see if you can get a game going. Um, but let, let's close this one out with sort of like closing thoughts, what you're sort of final opinion in, is on resistance at least for now um and you know obviously it's going to be continued up there but after your sort of first month with it how did everyone feel about resistance uh jordan why, why don't you start us off with this one well uh there's there's obviously there's room for improvements um and they can be done i just don't know exactly what kind of shelf life the uh, the product has at the moment, online games, it's its a real tough industry mm-hmm. to kind of break into. Um, there are so much, there's so much competition uh, that anything that kind of uh, is introduced, especially if it's something that is a little bit different, um, can, can suffer. I think obviously having the Resident Evil IP helps this game a lot. Uh, but I, I, I think just from the outset, it's not necessarily a game I would typically play, so I'm not going to hold too much against it. Um, but there were just some very obvious things that stood out to me as fencing off the parts of the game that I really wanted to enjoy because I was stuck trying to slug through the bits of the game which I didn't enjoy, which was ultimately the core gameplay feel. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can improve that, if they can get the um, the frame rate to a consistent performance and be able to make it feel a lot more responsive, all of a sudden, all of those pieces fall into place. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it is a, it is a mountain of a task to actually uh, fix it with, you know, in certain terms. Uh, but it, it's, it's, whether, it's whether or not this, uh, this game has that kind of longevity. I hope it does. I really hope it does, because the realization of some of those ideas would be fantastic, not only for the series, but for just online games in general, the idea of having a very Resident Evil experience that you can play online is fantastic. Just needs those first couple of hurdles that do stop newcomers from acclimatizing so easily. Once once they're out of the way, this could be a hit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, James, what's your sort of final thoughts on Resistance at this point? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah same, same as Jordan, really. I, uh, I'm excited for its future. Um, as I am with all online games, and this is also a passion um, with Resident Evil, so I really want to see it succeed. Uh, I really want to see uh, what else it grows into. I imagine there's going to be many changes that are coming in the future that could flip the game on its head, not in terms of how it, what the general premise is, but how it plays, etc. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see what comes in the future for it. It's still early days, yeah. It's still just a baby, uh, like myself. So it, uh, I, I just, 
just excited to see what's going to what's going to come of it. Uh, and I will continue playing it as well. And I promise I will actually play uh, Mastermind. Um, they just really, really intimidate me. <laughs> and, on, and on PC, um, the uh, Steve said earlier about the controller, and I completely believe with it, believe him because the PC uh, getting around the cards on PC is a bit a bit of a a ball ache because um, you have to press about three buttons before you can press your ultimate and stuff like that, and it's, yeah, right. it's a bit silly. Um, but yeah, I will play a mastermind. I will play all the other um, all the other stuff, and I will also try and join you guys, um, even if you guys are playing on PS4. I want to experience it with you guys while you're playing as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I look forward to the future of Resident Evil Resistance. Nicely said. And Steve, what are your closing thoughts? So I, I feel like I haven't played it now and had a fair bit of time with it. The jury is still out. I don't think my time with the game, I don't think the sun's set with it yet. Maybe due to the gang. I want to give them a quick shout out. You know, Luigi, Cho Giacomici, Jimuzu James, and the real Ark Thompson have been absolute troopers. Like they, they've, they've kept me going through this. So I think it might be just playing with them that's kept me going. But the, the, the actual overall concept of the game itself, the idea of 4v1, and it's Resident Evil, and it's using Resident Evil monsters. That stuff, I mean, before the game was even out, we were already running away with ideas of how we yeah, would yeah, do it. Yeah. And that's that's probably the part that keeps me the most interested and invested, like the, the, the sheer the idea, the combinations, the, the idea of playing as like these iconic Resi characters in these iconic Resi locations. That kind of stuff is probably what I'm hanging on for. But even if that's not what I get, even if this is just a, it, just this time with the Discord guys, it's been a blast. You know, yeah. balance issues aside, with a massive exclamation mark. You know, if you're listening to this, Neobards, don't get me wrong, you're doing great, but come on, level 6 versus 63, come on now, come on. That's, just, <laughs> that's a little bit busted, isn't it? Um, yeah, they need to, like, they need to make a ranked match match for Right, where yeah, all the really, sure. where all the pros go, and then like the quick match is more for casual. I, I don't know something a balancing there's, situation. These yeah, days. there's plenty of things to be done, and there's plenty of ways they can do it. And generally speaking, I agree with all of you. I think this is a positive start. Um, it just needs some some stuff cleaned up, and who knows when that'll be and how long that'll take. Um, there's a there's a cynical part of me that worries that after these first few months are up, and you get up, we get our first. Uh, bonus character burst first uh, bonus mastermind in our first bonus map maybe that's the end of the support and i really hope it isn't uh this could go for a few years at least i think and even better than that it would be if it deal if it does uh you could tie it into future games as well you know um the 2021 game whatever that may be you know releasing some resistant stuff on the way up to that as well and again if this resident evil 4 remake is coming there's a perfect time to insert some stuff as well uh, so yeah, it, it could go for it could go for a while if they have the the sort of go ahead to keep devoting time to it to really tweak it and keep that uh, continued support uh, to keep the kind of uh, the resistance community together. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess so far so good. And who knows? You know, sometime down the line, perhaps we'll do a follow up episode uh, in a few years. Uh, and look back on it uh, and we'll see how far it got um, but uh, we'll keep reporting on all the latest 
with resistance over the next few months. But uh, as it stands, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. Beta builds will be casting our eyes on what could have been with the Resident Evil 2 beta, popularly referred to as Resident Evil 1.5. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinaiac underscore 123. Steve is at Firebutton Games. Jordan is at Serialbox64. And James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. Look at that. We didn't mention Outbreak once. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> we made it, guys. We made it. <laughs> I was like, you know, when James started talking about Bonnie Girl, I was in the spot. Cindy wore that outfit in Outbreak, but then, you know. Uh... <laughs>